Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Hipsters Podcast, where I interview founders and co-founders, entrepreneurs and artists, executives and stay-at-home hipsters in crypto and blockchain around the world. And I have an amazing podcast for you today. Let's get to it. And today I have an amazing guest who is my fourth um, guest from this organization, um, which we're exploring um, called the Knowledge Society. Um, and it is an amazing organization. Uh, my guest is an accelerator with them. His name is Eason Wu. Eason, welcome to the show. Oh, excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. Great to have you. Um, so let's kick things off um, and ask you, uh, first question, what is your background and what are some of the things that you're working on, on now um, that you're excited about with Knowledge Society? Yeah, so I guess the traditional background is just uh, school, but that's not like that interesting. Um, so I guess my background in the Knowledge Society would be, um, so I started Innovate about uh, a year ago um, in September. And then with the Knowledge Society, I guess um, we really just focused, at least in the first year, about exploring new technologies um, and getting the mindsets and frameworks um, for like, I guess, the 21st century and that kind of, and those kind of things, right? Um, so my background that, uh, last year, I was mainly focusing on machine learning. Um, so I built a few projects with uh, machine learning, um, like a pneumonia classifier or uh, reinforcement learning um, bot. Um, but then during the summer, um, I decided that I want to go into blockchain and crypto. Um, since that, that was, I just, I, yeah, that's where my interest uh, led me. Um, and then during the summer, I got, uh, yeah, so during the summer, I got interested in blockchain and crypto. Um, I started exploring Ethereum as like a technology and trying to understand the technological, um, I guess, uh, fundamentals behind Ethereum. Um, and then, after that, I really kicked off my learning and understanding in blockchain after I started building projects. Um, and then in terms of what I'm doing right now, um, I'm building I'm building a project on Polygon, which is a side net, uh, well, yeah, a side net for um, Ethereum. Um, but where our main priority is, is Padawan uh, DAO, um, which is basically a DAO just to um, fund children, uh, kids, uh, well, people who don't have the resources. So usually university students or high school students. Um, to go to conferences. Um, I was at ElfDAO for about like a few weeks to a month. Um, that was basically, it was started by uh, actually my friend in TKS, um, BJ, who, um, yeah, he started he started ElfDAO and the purpose of ElfDAO is just, it's to just um, use crypto to fund um, getting children who don't have the means, like usually people in like orphanages or people who are just uh, in poverty um, to get gifts for them. Um, and yeah, those are my main things I'm working on right now. Great. So um, we were talking about um, Discord, and we're both on Discord. And and I just recently joined Padawan Dax. I knew I was interviewing you, and you're very active in that project. And I want to find out more, like how that works, um, and then I'll get I'll get I'll go into the Polygon uh, one. But let's talk about Padawan Dao first. How does that work? Uh, yeah. So I guess maybe I should talk about um, how we started it. So Basically, back in October, um, I actually got 
uh, and a few other TCAFs as well, we got funded to go to Lisbon um, for ETH Lisbon, which is a hackathon. Um, and it all started because uh, one of us found a Twitter post by Rick Burton, um, who is uh, someone in, in the crypto space, who said like, oh, I, I can't go, to, I'm not going to ETH Lisbon, but I want to fund other um, people who don't have the means um, to go. So yeah, high school students and college students. So after that conference, we were, it was like an amazing, like life-changing experience because um, it like all kicked off our trajectories in the crypto space. Um, after that conference, we went, we came together and we were like, oh, we sh maybe we should do something like this too for more conferences in the future and like really scale this up. Um, so then we uh, created Padawan DAO. Um, right now we're relying on donations. So, so far we've raised like 77 ETH, which right now is around like $300,000 um, from people like Vitalik, um, the founders of Graph and a few other people who generously donated uh, money for our, for the DAO. So in terms of like how it actually works, uh, we're basically just, we have like an application process for people who wanna get funded for uh, conferences. So our the one we're doing right now is um, ETH Denver, which is happening like mid-February. Um, so yeah, so far we, the, the process has been pretty smooth so far. Um, right now we're actually in the process of sending funds over to the Padawan so they can um, convert it to fiat and buy the plane ticket to go to Denver. Um, but yeah, that's basically how it works. Awesome. I was an NFT NYC a few months ago, and uh, there were some there were some uh, young 16-year-olds uh, from Canada, from TKS, who came down to the Chainlink meetup, and, and we were talking on the roof, and it was amazingly energetic conversation. So, um, you know, I can imagine how great this is. Uh, congratulations. And um, what's the what's um, what's the Polygon um, project that you're working on also? So since yeah, right now um, the main projects I'm working on are just to build my like solidity dev experience. Um, so yeah, again, like kind of similar to like how you mentioned NFT NYC. So NFTs are like pretty big right now. Um, but a big problem with NFTs are that if you look at like OpenSea or any like minted projects, they're all like a couple hundred dollars. Um, and gas itself is like pretty crazy. Um, and then on secondary markets as well, right? Um, so right now I'm basically trying to see if I can like. I'm just trying to uh, develop a project on Polygon where you can mint NFTs. Um, so I'm just like creating my own collection together with another TCASer. Um, like uh, he's doing like the generative side and the art, uh, and I'm doing the smart contract. Um, so yeah, that's just the project. It's just like an NFT collection on Polygon to avoid high gas fees and high high costs in general. Great. I, I had an interview back in season two. This is season three right now, but season two. I uh, interviewed. Um, I forget. I think I forget his last name. His first name is Ishwan. Uh, he's uh, head of create creativity at Polygon Studios over in India. So that was interesting to see what they were working on over there. Um, and then the AlphDAO you mentioned. Um, you know how? What was the inspiration? Be I mean, I can you know I can pretty obvious Christmas gifts for um, for orphanages makes sense. You know it's really cool. Um, how did was your experience like working on that project? Uh, yeah, for ElfDAO, uh, I was, so basically BJ just um, came, BJ is another accelerator in uh, TKS. Um, he just came up with the idea and then he messaged like a few of us as like, hey, are interested in doing this? Um, and he just kicked off the Discord and we just started like brainstorming how we can actually develop this. Um, and then after like a day or two, we actually like, I guess came up with like an, a full, um, I guess like proposals to actually like white paper to it. 
um bj did a lot of work for that like props to him uh i mainly just did i was like just there for the beginning to like conceptualize stuff and help like bounce ideas off and then also like, um during the middle just helping out uh here and there um but basically yeah he got like advisors like a legal team like all the like the entire thing um and then yeah we basically just we worked on that for like a month and then we launched it like maybe a week before december um and total raised like around fifty thousand dollars um to get gifts uh for kids um right now i think we're in the process of actually getting the money um to like a charity um so we're working or through like since i guess most charities don't accept uh crypto since you know uh, most of them operate through fiat we're working through uh endowment um which is another org um to get the crypto to them and for them to actually accept it and are there plans to sustain health down so you do it you do it each year or is this a one-time shot uh i'm not too sure about that i think that's i think there might we might do it for next year as well um but i think it's mainly up to bj okay well I'm interested in helping out if BJ uh, wants to contact me. <laughs> so um, let's let's move on to the next question. Um, you know, overall, what has been your experience with TKS? How's that gone? You know, what lessons in leadership, you know, as well as technology, have you learned that you can apply to making a massive difference in the world going forward? Yeah. So my experience with uh, TKS in general has been really great. Um, I guess like the main. Um, the main mission behind TKS is really to just train kids um, to impact billions. Um, oh, like, and through TKS, we really learn a lot of the skills necessary. Um, so we learn like certain mindsets um, that might help us in like, I guess like it might not even just like in impacting people, um, but also just in our general lives. Um, there's also, I think, at least in the first year, right? I mentioned before, it's just uh, mainly focused on technologies. So without TKS, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know about like machine learning and AI. Also, when I've learned about uh, blockchain and like crypto, right? Um, so it really just like uh, increases your exposure to a lot of things and really helps you um, in that way. And also now in Accelerate, um, we're mainly focusing on using the technologies we learned in the first year, um, but applying them to real world problems, right? Um, so recently, we just the way it works is we have like weekly weekly sessions where we learn about the mindsets. Um, well, last year is also like technology, but this year it's about like world's biggest problems. Um, and then recently uh, we had a session on like, how can we solve economically incentivized problems, uh, right? Because most problems that exist in the world, they need, they will be, they need to be solved um, through an economic incentive, right? Um, and how can we actually like identify the, the economic incentive behind certain problems and how can we get that uh, solved problems through this economic incentive? Um, and then, yeah, every every like mindset, skills, and like everything is really just tailored to um, how we can make an impact and how we can, I guess, really grow. Um, like, yeah, personally grow. So mindset, um, let's talk about that for a second. There's different ways of looking at mindset. You know, there's, there's mindfulness. There's um, Tony Robbins' view of mindset. There's Landmark education view of mindset. There's, uh, you name the guru out there has a different mindset. What exact style brand and mindset um, do you do you learn um, there? Yeah, so we, I think yes, we learn a lot of 
um, like different mindsets. Um, well, yeah, we just basically every week we uh, in the sessions we learn a new mindset, and then um, it's really we take these mindsets and we decide if we want to use them and how we want to use them. Um, so like one example would be just like boss mentality, right? So like in everything you do, you want to like act like a boss, not like bossy, but just act with a lot of confidence um, in everything you do and like um, take ownership of things, right? Um, so we just learned like a ton of mindsets. Uh, another one is stoicism. This one helps a lot in like, I guess, general life. Stoicism is basically just understanding what you can control and what you can't control um, and only in a, not really letting the things you can't control influence you. Um, and then for the things you can control, really um, focus on that, right? So that's like another mindset we learn. Um, yeah, there's like just a ton of mindsets every single week um, that we just we can just apply to our daily lives and also applying to, I guess, our, our general mission, right? Great. Yeah, I know a lot of people who could learn, who, could, who need stoicism. <laughs> so I won't name names, but uh, yeah, that sounds really good that you're learning that now. Um, so um you have um some other projects too right so one of the other one is uh called cred ave right that piqued my interest because i'm an ave holder um so you're looking at you know a problem of over collateralization and you mentioned earlier DeFi. so what is over collateralization and what would it mean if you solved it um, yeah, so basically, maybe I'll explain like Credave. Um, so Credave was, we, well, it was a hackathon project that my brother and I made at, in Lisbon, at East Lisbon. Um, basically, um, yeah, we're just trying to solve over collateralization for Ave. Ave is a lending and, uh, lending and borrowing protocol on uh, Ethereum, um, also offers flash loans. Um, basically, um, when you want to take out a loan, you need to over collateralize. What that means is, let's just say, I want to take out a hundred dollars of like die, right? I would need to over collateralize on another asset. So let's say I'm giving ETH, right? Um, and the reason why you'd want to over collateralize is because since ETH and all these like crypto assets are so volatile, if it falls below um, the price that you borrowed at, then the protocol is like losing out on that money, right? Um, usually you they just have to li have to liquidate, right? Um, another example is like MakerDAO, which is the creator of DAI. Um, when you want to mint DAI, um, you'd have to over collateralize 150% on ETH minimum, right? Um, just to prevent um, the just for, just to prevent the collateral going under the actual borrowed amount. Um, so the reason why this is a problem is because um, you it just decreases the liquidity in the general market. So what that means is that instead of you having like $125 when you put in $150, um, you only have $100, right? So you, it just decreases liquidity for um, both the people and I guess the general um, like ecosystem. Um, and then basically what Credave did was that we just used machine learning. Since both my brother and I, we both had like a background in machine learning from our first year in Innovate and uh, TKS. Um, so we just used machine learning and combined that with uh, blockchain. So we use like GraphQL for like our database. Um, and we just use a machine learning model to predict how uh, likely a given address was to um, default on their loan on Aave, right? So basically what that can uh, what that can get us is that let's just say your score was, was really low um, for collateralization and uh, for Aave, um, we'd probably not want to uh, let you under collateralize or like equal. 
um, we'd probably have to make you over collateralize more, right? But let's just say your credit score is really good. We really trust that you'll pay back your loan. Um, in that case, we will, uh, well, I mean, Avi will do what they want with this, but they, they have the potential to like under collateralize instead, right? Since, uh, since there's more trust there, um, since their score is higher, then we can basically just under collateralize and increase more liquidity in the market. Um, but yeah, that's the general thing. So when I was 16, I wasn't talking about collateralization. We were talking about, we were arguing, my class was arguing with our trigonometry teacher that we would never, ever, ever need to use trigonometry again in our lives. And um, we're talking crypto, right? So what do you see as the role and the need for not only trigonometry, but to be proficient in math? Uh, well, I guess since math is like one of the, I guess it's pretty fundamental in most um, like blockchain principles and even DeFi, right? Um, like if you look at, um, I guess if you read like the Ethereum white paper or the Bitcoin white paper, there's a lot of like technical terms um, that would be like math or just like technical computer science terms um, that you'd have to understand in order to understand the specific protocols. Um, and in DeFi, there is also a lot of math. Like I, I was, I'm actually right now reading like how to DeFi advanced by like CoinGecko. Um, and then one of the things that I'm like struggling to understand is um, certain certain um, like certain ways um, they have stable coin assets or AMMs, sorry, um, how they do like automated automated uh, market makers, right? So um, there's like certain ways you can make an AMM. One is um, is a uh, it's it's like a fixed, uh, uh, constant, constant sum. So that's like X plus Y equals M, right? Um, so you, you, when you increase, when you have a liquidity pool, um, and you create a market for that, uh, you have to have a constant sum of each, of each, um, asset, right? There's also constant product, which means the product must be constant between the two assets in the pool. Um, and then there's also invariable, stable, uh, it's something like that but it was like a really complicated mathematical thing that i i'm still like struggling to understand but you really need to understand the math behind these kind of things um if you want to like understand how um a lot of DeFi things or blockchain things work at their, their core and those concepts are in the how to DeFi book that you got from CoinGecko. yeah wow okay I, i've been hesitant to trade my candies in because i thought that maybe maybe uh they might turn their candies into crypto sometime. So I've just been accumulating them. Um, so there are a couple other things. Uh, one um, is I know you're not currently involved, um, but I want to shift the gears to talk about this because I want, I've been trying to crack this nut for a while on my podcast, and I haven't had any insight into Africa. Um, so let's look at your night. You were involved in a Nairobi project, right? Uh, in Kenya, only 20% of girls have internet access. Uh, so you were helping to work on this issue. Um, not talking about the technicals, but why were why do you feel this is an important project to be involved with, and what could be the potential you know possibilities of what if this thing works, what what's possible? So um, I guess as more context on the project, this was one of the like consulting challenges we had in our first year in TKS. Um, and then it was the challenge partner was with the UN, right? Um, so we were basically given a problem statement, an open-ended problem statement, and uh, we decided like how we want to solve it, right? So the problem statement we had was increase uh, access, digital access 
um, for girls in, well, any in any like X country, right, or city. Um, so our team, after we did like some analysis on like different countries and different cities we can choose, we end up going uh, for Nairobi for like certain reasons, um, such as like, was, was actually a problem? Like, yes, there's a big divide between uh, males or like boys who have access to, to technology versus girls. Um, did they have like certain infrastructure already? Um, and that's a yes, but we basically just made like criteria to which um, area we should uh, target, right? Um, so the reason why this is like, uh, yeah, the reason why uh, this is like a pretty like important thing, um, well, the reason why like most of us are in TKS in the first place is just to create impact, right? So when you solve these kind of problems like digital access or um, yeah, like digital access or like internet access, like we're talking about crypto, right? But like if they don't even have internet or like technology, they won't be able to access things like crypto or like resources online um, where you can learn all these kind of things, right? So really at the core of it is just solving problems. And what, what what solution did you have at the end of the day? What what did, what suggestion or recommendation at the end of the day? Um, yeah, so basically we decided uh, we realized that a lot of the schools in Nairobi were uh, actually private schools or boarding schools rather. Um, so our solution was to bring um, or get devices, uh, what give them access to devices in those kind of uh, boarding schools so the devices can stay there. And while the uh, girls are in school, they can have access to, the, to these devices um, or during their free time, they can have these devices. On top of that, our solution was like, um, one of the one of the problems we ran into into just like, you know, we can't just airdrop them um, devices and expect them to know how to use them, right? So another part of our solution was having mentors from the city um, and that was pretty important since if it's in the city that then you can have someone in there in person um, with them to help them. Um, also, if it's uh, also a female um, from the city, they can see, oh, if I get into tech or if I actually learn these kind of things, this is like, I guess it's like kind of inspirational and realizing I, it gives them a role model, right? Um, so yeah, our general idea slash solution was just to get devices as, uh, as well as um, a, uh, mentorship um, from people in within Nairobi. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, so um, you're looking to you said mentorship, right? And you're looking out to you're looking to roll out a mentorship program. How's that going to work? Uh, well. Uh, it would probably just be like a uh, contact. Well, the U. Well, if we were to work with the UN on this, it would be we do. But like, a person would just reach out to like certain um, like people in, within Nairobi um, who are working in tech. Um, and well, yeah, who are working in tech. And pre during the challenge, we actually reached out to a few um, people in Nairobi working in tech who are females um, to see if they'd be interested in this kind of thing. If we did eventually roll it out, and they said yes. Right. So um, we probably just the way we do if we rolled it out was just to um, reach out to these people, see if they're interested um, and then probably like screen them, make sure they're actually like legit. Right. Um, and then after we probably just get them in contact with the boarding schools and assign them with certain boarding schools. Um, and then they'd probably come in like maybe a few times a week um, just to really oversee and help out with um, the rollout of like uh, technology like devices uh, for the girls, right? In case any of them have questions or they need help on anything, or if they just like, 
want to see like explore the possibilities of it awesome awesome um so yeah this is great um so did i ask you about spectral that's one last uh thing that i want to ask you so i want to ask you about your role in spectral um shifting gears to that to find out what that is um yeah so spectral is basically creating credit for DeFi. um the way they well actually um we got in contact with them after um the hackathon since we realized like they're doing exactly what we were doing because we were basically creating credit but for Aave, but they're creating credit for the entire DeFi ecosystem right um so the, yeah i guess credit um in the real world in like central and uh, traditional finance is pretty important right um for let's say you want to take out a loan from a bank right so in DeFi, not we don't have any like real form of credit right now so that's basically what spectral is solving um and yeah i basically we basically just started working with them after um the lisbon hackathon um and yeah great so now the hard question okay you're let's put those two let's put those two projects together and say you know creating credit in the crypto world plus breaking down the gender barriers in in emerging nations right if you could do those both at the same time what do you think would be possible um i guess well on one side it's like i mean at the core both of them are just solving problems and hopefully impacting people um so with the mentorship slash like technology uh, access to devices in nairobi um that would that would like give an opportunity to a lot of um girls and bridge the gender gap and just create a lot of impact there, give them new opportunities. And potentially even if that solution works, um, it could be rolled out similarly to other um, other cities and countries, right? And solving when the UN, when UN's goal. Um, for Spectral, if there was a credit for like um, crypto slash DeFi, um, you'd really just, I guess, improve on the existing systems where a lot of people, I guess, are, well, one, anonymous, right? Um, and two, it's like kind of hard to trust people, right? Because you don't know if this person is actually like um, like a real, like a legitimate person looking to like I don't know, get into something or if they're like a malicious actor, right? Um, so that would solve a lot of trust within DeFi um, and also help bring like uh, the benefits of traditional finance, like certain aspects of traditional finance to DeFi. That would, that'd be great. <laughs> so. That'd be really great. So, um, yeah, something to think about. Um, I want to thank you uh, very much for your time today. Um, every time I, I, I talk to somebody new, I learn a lot. My mind goes three different ways, and it's great learning experience. So, thank you. Um, I have one final question, um, and that is, and that's a, it's an easy one. Um, how can people find out more information about you, about what you do, about what you do in the Denial Society? Uh, about what projects you're you're up to next how can they do that um yeah if you're interested in learning more about the knowledge society and if you're like a teen looking into like solving problems or, in, or just like interesting tech um you can go to tks.world um i think applications are opening soon um so you should definitely apply there um and in turn for me uh my main like source uh or place where i am is uh, twitter um so my handle is like uh real Eason Wu. Um, and then Eason Wu is spelled E-A-S-O-N-W-U. Um, and then, yeah, 
that's yeah. So if you want to learn about TKS, go to TKS.world. If you want to learn about me, just go to my Twitter. Um, and just you can see what I'm doing. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time today.